you stand together as we join in the reading of God's Word this morning? We're looking at John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. Will you join with me as we read together? When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. You may be seated and we provided an outline and hope that will be helpful as we look at God's word together. You know, doesn't it seem like Easter is a long time ago? Uh, It's actually 21 days ago, three weeks since Easter. And uh, by now, most of us mentally have have moved on. And we're thinking about Mother's Day coming up in a couple of weeks, and then Memorial Day right after that. Uh, Our Easter uh, decorations and accessories are all put up uh, for next year. But we... Here, we're lingering at Easter for a while. And the reason we're doing that is this. As wonderful as Easter Sunday morning was when Jesus walked out of the tomb, uh, that's not all all that took place. You see, in the weeks that followed, Jesus, on a number of occasions, showed up. There were appearances. When Jesus revealed himself, as a matter of fact, uh, there were numerous times, and uh, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that there was one occasion in which Jesus appeared to as many as 500 people at at one time. And so we are taking the Sundays in April, the weeks following Easter, to kind of live with that for a while and explore these appearances. And one of the things we've been saying all along is that these appearances of Jesus were not just random acts. They weren't just random sightings for the purpose of wowing the people. But we get the sense that Jesus selected the settings very carefully, and each appearance, Jesus had a particular purpose that he wanted to achieve. And when we begin to analyze them, we understand that they have some powerful messages for us. And so let's look now at a third appearance. It's early in the morning. Sun hasn't come up, it's still dark. Peter and the other disciples, they're out on their boat on the lake fishing. They've been out most of the night. They look back and they see there's uh, there's a man standing on the shore. They can't quite make out who it is, it's still dark, but there's a campfire going. And all of a sudden, this man shouts out to them, throw your net on the other side of the boat. Now, they don't know who this guy is, and they don't know why 
he thinks he knows more about fishing than they do. They're the professional fishermen, for crying out loud. But So they decide that, well, we might as well, we hadn't caught anything all night. So they take their net, and they throw it on the other side. And lo and behold, they catch a school of fish that is so large, the school is, that they can hardly get the net back up on the boat. Matter of fact, we're told that there were 153 fish. Now, do you get the idea that the writer of the gospel wanted to make sure that there was some specificity in this story? 153 fish. Now, they are struggling to get the net in. Finally, they get the net and the fish in the boat, and they look back, and they see this figure again, and they realize it's Jesus. And they make a beeline to the shore as fast as they can. They get there, they step out of the boat, uh, they're hugging, they're reminiscing, they're having a great time, and perhaps most importantly up to now, they're, they're eating some breakfast. Jesus has some breakfast there. Now, up to this point, there's nothing really spectacular, there's no profound purpose that we see in this appearance. But that's about to change. You see, after a few moments of visiting with all of them together, Jesus calls Simon Peter off to the side. Jesus knows that there's a conversation that he and Peter have to have. And then until this conversation is, is had, he knows that Peter will never be able to completely heal emotionally and move on. You see, several weeks earlier, just before the crucifixion, uh, Peter had denied Christ not once or twice, but three times. He had outright lied when he was asked if he was a follower of Jesus. In a moment of the Lord's greatest need, he bailed. He denied knowing the Lord. And so you have to imagine how you know, Peter must be feeling today. You know, the last conversation he had with Jesus was when he said, Lord, even though everybody else will abandon you, I will never forsake you. And yet that's exactly what he's done. He's got to be embarrassed. He's hurting. He feels ashamed. He feels like a traitor. He's eaten up with guilt. And now, here's Jesus. And he calls him off to the side for a conversation. And Peter doesn't know what to expect. He doesn't know if he's going to be reprimanded. He doesn't know if he's going to get a tongue lashing. He doesn't know if he's going to be asked to explain why he cowardly turned and ran? He doesn't know. What follows is an amazing exchange between these two. And it's here, I believe, that we see the purpose of this appearance. And here it is. Jesus wanted to give Peter a second chance. He wanted Peter to know that regardless of what had happened in the past, he loved him, he cared about him, he believed in him, and that everything between the two of them was okay. And I'm absolutely convinced that Simon 
Peter would have never gone on to accomplish the great things that he did. He would have never gone on to be the faithful disciple that he was had it not been for that conversation. But because of the things that were dealt with and released and restored because of that conversation, that changed everything. Here's what else I know. I know that that conversation was not just meant for Peter. That conversation was meant and is meant for every single person in this room. You see, every one of us need, has needed or will need or needs a second chance. Some of us have denied knowing Christ. Some of us have perhaps been afraid to acknowledge Him as Lord of our life. Some of us maybe at times have pretended to know Him, pretended to be a follower of His, but began to distance ourselves from Him when that relationship would not work to our advantage. Some of us have engaged in sinful behavior of which we're ashamed and reflects a rejection of our love for Christ. Some of us have done things for which we are embarrassed. Some of us have messed up and made decisions that have caused us to walk away from Christ and abandon our commitment to Him. Some of us have failed to be faithful, authentic follower of Christ and live a God-honoring life. And I suspect that every single one of us, in some degree or another, we know what it means to need a second chance. And so I want us to look at this conversation this morning, not merely as a, in a, as a conversation between the Lord and Peter, but somehow allow ourselves to stand in that conversation and be part of it so that we see what Christ has to say to us. That is, at least if you believe that you need a second chance. I suspect that there are a lot of us that feel that we do. Notice first what Jesus does in this conversation. He says to Simon Peter, Do you love me more than these? Simon said, Yes, I love you. Jesus says it again. Simon, do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Three times Jesus asked Simon Peter the question, why? Once for every single time that Peter denied Christ. He wanted Peter to have an opportunity for a do-over. Start over. A second chance. And so he asked the question once for every time he had denied the Lord. Here's what I hope you and I will take away from this. Every time you reject Christ, He gives you an opportunity to start over. Every time. You can never exhaust the love that Christ has for you. 
regardless of what you have done, no matter how disappointing you have been to Christ, no matter how much you've disappointed Christ in the past, He gives you an opportunity to start over, to be reconciled, to be forgiven, to be made whole. How many of you need that? How many of us need a second chance? Maybe you've messed up morally and you've done something that you are deeply embarrassed and ashamed about. Maybe you have messed up relationally and you, your actions and your words have brought hurt and conflict into uh, perhaps your marriage or friendship. Maybe you have, ang- have harbored anger and resentment because of things that have happened to you. And the result is that you have grown cynical and bitter and at a point where life just has no joy for you anymore. There are lots of reasons that we might need a second chance, a do-over. And that's why Christ, I believe, is intimately desirous to have this conversation with you. Not to berate you for your mistakes, not to ridicule you for your actions, but to simply say, do you love me? In response to all the hurtful things that we might do to him, his response is, do you love me? And folks, here's what we need to understand. When we affirm that we do, And if we can do that genuinely and authentically and pour ourselves into genuinely loving Christ, there's going to be a start over. Because you know what? You cannot love Jesus Christ actively or passionately without being changed. Without and remain. You cannot do that. You cannot love Christ and remain the same. And so I would say to any of us who need second chances today, be aware. Be aware that Christ loves you unconditionally. And He's longing to engage you in this conversation. And your second chance begins when you affirm your love for Him. And you begin to act upon it. That's the first part of the conversation, but Jesus does more in the conversation with Peter. Not only does he ask him questions, he gives some instructions. Simon, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep, tend my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Now, what is that about? Jesus wants Peter to know that love for him is nurtured and cultivated and proven by loving others. Feed my sheep. 
tend my lambs. He wants them to understand that a genuine start over happens when we take a new attitude, not just toward him, but when we have a heart for them. And we could state it this way. Starting over means loving him and loving them. What Jesus is affirming here is something, is a foundational truth that he spoke all throughout the Scriptures, that life is lived most effectively and joyfully and purposely when it is devoted to and about caring for others. And if you and I desire a second chance for whatever reason, That happens when we renew our love for him and we begin to find ways to care more about them. It's just the way life works. Well, who is them? For some of you, it may be a family member. For some of you, it may be peers at work. For some of us, it may be fellow members of the church that we know are hurting and in need of a friend. For really, for all of us, it is all of the above. You see, Christians are not merely people who love Jesus. We are people who love people. And until and unless both are in play, our, our life will be held back. And any second chance at life or relationship with him will not be whole and complete. A start over means loving him and loving them. If you're looking for a second chance in your life, for whatever reason, that's the formula that can make it a reality. I read an amazing a story about an amazing woman the other day named Linda Wilson Allen. Linda had a difficult life growing up, and um, she came to a point of, in her life that she needed a start over. She needed a second chance. Today, Linda is a transit bus driver uh, in San Francisco. And not too long ago, the San Francisco Chronicle heard about her and decided to write a feature story. Now, what was it that set her apart and captured the paper's attention? It was her love for people. They describe her this way. She, she knows the names of the people on her bus, and she gets to know information about them, and she calls them by name, and, and she, she cares for them, and... Uh, she knows where, which stop they're going to get on the bus, and if they are late, she will actually delay, wait a little bit to make sure that they have time to get to the stop. And she'll make up the time throughout her route during the course of the day. The article told about a woman in her 80s named Ivy. One day Ivy was waiting for the bus, and the bus pulled up, and Linda realized that Uh, Ivy was struggling to to manage some grocery bags that were too heavy for her 80-year-old frame to carry. And so uh, Linda got out from behind the 
the driver's seat, walked down the steps, walked out onto the street, grabbed the bags for her and said, Now, now Miss Ivy, you just go on in and find your seat, and I'll bring your, your, I'll bring your grocery bags to you. She did. She made Ivy a friend. Now, Ivy will stand at the bus stop. She'll let other buses pass and wait until Linda's bus comes around. One day, Linda noticed a young woman uh, standing in the bus shelter who uh, was new to town. It was obvious that she was lost. She was uh, by herself. She entered the bus, and Linda said, uh, Honey, I, I know you're not from around here. You don't know anybody. Listen, it's Thanksgiving in a week from now. Why don't you come and spend Thanksgiving uh, with us, me and my family? You'd love it. I'd love my kids to meet you. So Tanya went and spent Thanksgiving with Linda and her family, and a new friend was made. Over time, she has built such a community of blessing on her bus that there are actually passengers who have offered Linda use of their vacation home. They bring flowers. They bring uh, potted plants. Uh, One day somebody found out that Linda likes to accessorize her uniform uh, with different um, um, scarves. And so two or three times a week, somebody when they board the bus has a brand new scarf to give to Linda. Now, and the paper goes on to describe other aspects about her life and and then ask, think about what a thankless task it must be to be a transit city drive bus driver in San Francisco. Cranky passengers, engine breakdowns, traffic jams, uh, gum in seats. Ask yourself, how does she have such a caring attitude for others? The article says, Her mood is set at 2.30 a.m. when she gets down on her knees to pray for 30 minutes. She prays for her passengers. She prays for their lives. She prays for their families. She says there's a lot to talk about with the Lord. And the article ends by describing that at the end of the day when she reaches the end of her line, she shuts down the bus. She says, that's all. I sure do love you. Take care. And the article asks, when's the last time a transit bus driver told you they loved you? As I thought about that story, I thought, here's a person who gets it. Here's a person who understands. Here's a person for whom a second chance is working and her life is blooming. And I thought about her. I wondered... In times of prayer, the Lord says to Linda, Linda, do you love me? Linda says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. 
then feed my sheep. Care for people. Love others, too. This conversation that Jesus had with the Lord offered forgiveness and grace and power and hope and a new opportunity for Peter to be forgiven of his past mistakes and move on to a glorious life. That conversation can do the same with anybody in this room. And may it be so. Let's pray together. Oh God, this morning I pray that if, if indeed there are those among us who for today is a critical day, they're in a season of regret or need or hurt or pain, needing some type of turnaround, start over, do over, second chance. Lord, I hope that they will hear your truth, that that's found in reestablishing love for you and pouring their life into loving others. And so I just pray, O oh God, that your Holy Spirit would convict and restore and encourage anyone this morning who's in need of what you desire to do. And it's in the name and the Spirit of Christ that we pray. Amen.